Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Welcome back into the early line, hour number two. He is Kevin. I'm Dane Martinez. And as usual, in hour number two, we start to turn our attention to the National Football League. I know Kevin is excited because our roster reset today is his team, the Philadelphia Eagles. No, he doesn't have them going 16-0, and but we'll see how far he does have them going uh, in a little bit. I did want to start with this. I saw a couple of days ago, Kev, did you see Lamar Jackson? Out there chilling on the beach, okay? First of all, like, if you're playing beach football, I'm drafting Lamar on my team. I don't understand how the other team was like, yeah, 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 we'll play against Lamar Jackson and his boys. But I digress. You see the video up now. He, you know, pump fakes a guy, obviously is running. But then it looks like he, you know, nosedives over a jet ski. I mean, all reports are that he's okay. This obviously could have been a lot worse than it truly was. But Kev... I mean, he should probably chill. No, I mean, I think about in the good old days, big Ben Roethlisberger on his motorcycle. Patty Mahomes last year was playing pickup basketball until the Chiefs told him to stop. I'm reminded of, you know, in the Pro Bowl about a decade ago, you know, Robert Edwards, a running back for the Pats, had a horrible injury during like a beach volleyball game sanctioned by the Pro Bowl. You know, and there's reasons these guys have clauses in their contracts, Kev. Yeah, I mean... Quietly, I think Lamar has been one of the most active people during quarantine. I think he was like the first like person that they saw out and about just throwing the, the football around. Um, not great to just watch like the face of your franchise get thrown into a water ski. But he said he's fine. He was doing the rounds the other day because he's now the cover of Madden 21. Right. I mean, he seems fine. But it's also it's just like hilarious because – like, he's still just kind of getting his stuff in. You know what I mean? Like, even if it's like, oh, take it easy. But he's like, no, I'm trying to, like, drop, like, a couple people. I'm trying to, like, crack ankles. And it's like, ah, Lamar, I kind of love you. Yeah, I, I kind of love it, too. But I would not love it if it was one inch a little bit to the left, you know, when he flips over on that jet ski. And then we have a problem. You know, I feel bad because you always make fun of me, Kev, being like, I've in essence said about a dozen times that Lamar Jackson's going to tear his ACL this year, right? And then, oh, my goodness, it almost happened. Well, you know. We switch gears a little bit, Kev. You know, we're talking about the Philadelphia Eagles today, and I got to, unfortunately, in our kind of news and notes way, I have not one but two pieces of less-than-ideal news for you. First of all, Brandon Brooks, you know, the starting guard, the number one-rated guard in PFF last year, looks like in practice kind of working out. He tore his Achilles, Kev, and he's going to be out for the year. Now, I believe the offensive line is one of the strengths of the Philadelphia Eagles, right? Everyone from Lane Johnson to obviously Peters. So losing Brooks, how big of a deal is this, Kev? It's a massive deal. Um, You know, the thing is, when you have an offensive lineman that you're very, very well aware of, now sometimes it just might be being a fan of a team, but it's either because the guy's really good or they're like Eric Flowers bad, right? right? It's one of those two things. And the Eagles have a couple of guys that are just really good. And Brandon Brooks was the best of them last year, was an all-pro. I mean, he's been tremendous since he's shown up in Philly. Um, this is not the first time he's actually tore an Achilles. It was just the wow. other Achilles. The, in- the injury luck um, has not been incredibly kind to him. But, you know, people have championed kind of how he was able to push back and rehab. And, I, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, last season he was coming off of the torn Achilles. It was like the uh-huh. best guard in football. I mean, he's that good. But that's a – that's a big piece to be missing. Um, and unfortunately, you know, we've seen Carson Wentz at, struggle sometimes when his offensive line is mm-hmm. not whole. It might be a chemistry thing. It might be a Lane trust Johnson thing. Johnson missed like eight games one yeah. year. His record without Lane Johnson is miserable. Um, so there are a couple of options that sit out there. Uh, the two most notable would be Jason Peters if they brought him right. back. And him back. They, but they'd have to move some pieces around. I don't know about Jason Peters sliding to the inside. I'm not sure... Um, if that would really be in the plans. The other easiest fit, best option, and it's like, wow, what an opportunity here, is Larry Warford, uh, the guard that was cut by the Saints. 
because hmm. they draft Cesar Ruiz and they right. wanted to then make money to get Jameis and Taysom Hill all in there. I mean, that is a Pro Bowl caliber guard that slides perfectly in at the right guard slot that's currently available. Hmm. You know, obviously you have to figure out um, money, but right. if Wofford wanted to go to a place where he starts right away and can compete for, you know, the highest level, which is what I think the Eagles can offer both of those. I think they'd have a pretty good chance. Again, now, you know, he needed some massive, massive contract, and it might be a a little bit more difficult. And that Wofford availability is kind of the saving grace of me not pulling my hair out, Dane, because when you are injured all of one season, you're Mm -hmm. supposed to get luck, injury, injury luck on your side. Regression to the mean, right? Yeah. And it's like for this to happen in June, boy, oh boy, is that uh, frustrating. Yeah, absolutely. And I I can't restate it enough. The Eagles, you know, people don't think about offensive line or offensive line rankings, let's say, and the impact that the offensive line has. You know, I literally believe the Eagles have one of the two, three best offensive lines in the entire sport. Okay, and so then to lose a pro bowler off of that, especially when, you know, unfortunately with an offensive line, you could have four studs and then one weak link. And that's where all the blitzes are coming. You know what I mean? You're almost only as strong as the weakest link in your chain. And Philly had, you know, five good quality offensive linemen. Unfortunately, I heard other bad news for the Philadelphia Eagles. Kev, I don't know if you saw this, but um. Peterson came out and said Alshon Jeffrey still without a timetable to return. Now, I understand that it's June and we're not even talking about, you know, training camp for another month or so. But Alshon, to me, is someone who already has that kind of injury prone tag on his career, um, is getting up there in age. There was thoughts that he may have been kind of a trade or a cap casualty because of his number coming in. They brought in Rieger, I know, in the first round, but, you know, Part of that was because this wide receiver room was just eviscerated by injury. So you do still kind of need Alshon there. Are you at all concerned the fact that he is still not even, you know, kind of with a timeline to get back at it? Yeah, you have to be a little bit. Uh, the injuries have certainly bugged Alshon, and uh, it, it bugged this room quite a bit last yeah. year. I, I think the interesting thing to me is – how replaceable they believe Alshon Jeffrey to be. When I look at this wide receiver core, right? Yeah. Marquise Goodwin and Deshaun Jackson and even Jalen Riga, right? Like they all feel like they're speedsters. Yes. And now you turn a bit towards J.J. Arcega Whiteside. Have fun with that. The interesting <laughs> thing, though, is, Dane, because of the two tight end sets that this yeah. team will run, there's a lot of times when you can actually only send out two wide receivers. And because of the big body nature that both Goddard and Ertz are offering, you know, maybe Jeffrey is a bit more replaceable than you think. And also, simply put, and it's not a thing you want, but it's a good to have if it's going to be the scenario. Wentz is quite comfortable uh, having to deal, though, with replacement-level wide receivers. Offensive linemen, ideally you want your top guys out there. Um, but, I mean, we saw last year Greg Ward Jr. Yeah. Like, hitting overs on props, like, week-to-week yeah. basis, throw him in a, in a DFS lineup situation. So, as much as you want to see Alshon out there, I think it's, I would argue, far less important than, say, Brandon Brooks. Yeah, I I buy that. I buy that because they do have something of a fantasy herd in Philly. But, you know, I always talk about the XYZ affair, right, and the type of wide receiver. So when you talk about Rieger and Jackson, you're right. They bring in Marquise Goodwin. Those are over-the-top kind of guys. Or with Rieger, maybe a little bit more dynamic, yards-after-the-catch kind of guy. I Your point about the tight ends there are well taken. But still, you know— Alshon is that prototypical outside the numbers X wide receiver that is something of a security blanket and especially in the red zone that could, you know, has incredible value. Now, I know uh, Zach Ertz can do a lot of that stuff in the red zone, Goddard as well. But, you know, Alshon really did pro uh, play that role on the outside. And I don't know that our Seagull Whiteside or anybody else in that wide receiver room at this point is equipped to pick up that slack. And Alshon is the longest tenured receiver mm. in terms of the guys we're speaking about. Again, you know, Goodwin just showed up. Rieger's a rookie. Deshaun and uh, Arcega Whiteside 
joined last year. Alshon was a part of the Super Bowl winning Philadelphia Eagles team. Um, so it, it's it's one of those things where you just like to have the rapport. But this is where, Dan, I think sometimes it like, like oh, okay, rank the Eagles wide receiver core, right? But how much does that matter? Like, should we just be saying receiving core? And should we be adding tight ends into the mix? That's pass-catching group skill positions. Right. You know what I mean? Because when we, we would talk about the Niners, yeah. like, it's not that exciting until you then bring the best tight end in the football into the mix. When you talk about the Chiefs, now it's exciting, but it gets pushed over the edge when you talk about one of the best tight ends in football into the mix. And then the Eagles show up with maybe the third best tight end in football in Ertz and then, like, another top ten talent at the position – in Dallas Goddard. And that's where I just think that this team does have maybe more versatility, even if Alshon were to miss time. And it also does allow the Eagles to slow play it potentially, because the one thing I think sometimes they've been um, guilty of is rushing some talent back. Okay. And I think, and I don't think that was the case last year, which was good. Um, but I think now, you know, if you allow Alshon then to make sure he 100% gets his legs under him, I, I think that, you know, it's a luxury that they certainly didn't have, it felt like, last year. All right, fair enough. So, listen, let's turn our attention fully to the Philadelphia Eagles. I know Kevin has been waiting for this day for a while. We're going to talk about their offseason. We're going to talk about their futures bets. We're going to look game by game at the schedule. We'll find some diamonds and fugazis to forget about as well. But I want to, because we do still have a minute or two here, mm-hmm. I want to ask you about, in essence, the Jalen Hurts move. Okay, because when we had it in Green Bay and we were saying, wait a second, you have your franchise quarterback. It makes no sense to invest it here. Mm -hmm. You and I have said it's a slightly different situation with Jalen Hurts because maybe he could be in some packages early on. Wentz does have the injury history and it was a second round pick as opposed to the first round. How do you see Hurts being used in 2020, if at all? Yeah, I I think we can see. um, I think we will see some packages that get him on the field that look to throw the defense off. I I mean, like if you think that takes him, he'll throws off a defense. How about a guy that's a legitimate quarterback option, like a Jalen Hurts, less runner, more thrower. And it's also, listen, I can argue all day that I think when people call Carson Wentz injury prone, it's misleading and it's more so it's just bad injury luck. Right. And the people that call him soft, I really have no tolerance for. Nevertheless, though, his season has been cut short multiple times. Right. And I feel a lot better throwing the ball over to Jalen Hurts than I do Josh McCown. I just do. I'm excited about what Jalen Hurts can do. I I was excited to see where he would land in the draft. I just never thought it was going to be Philadelphia. Um, But it's going to be interesting to just kind of watch that develop. Again, I think we'll see him on the field from time to time. And I, I think because he's, a, to me, a better thrower than Taysom Hill, I think it could be uh, pretty dangerous. All right, find out what else Kevin thinks is dangerous about the E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles when we come back. It's the early line giving you the edge. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, back here in on the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid, Kevin Walsh and Dane Martinez. And if you've been watching this show, you know Kevin is an Eagles fan. So I wanted to ask him about the Jalen Hurts thing. You know, for me also another, I agree with you, okay, that this was far less egregious of a pick at all than, you know, when the Packers went out and traded up for Jordan Love. And I think you, you've said it, right? Because Hurts has value in a kind of package a la Taysom Hill. I believe in Peterson and that offense to find creative ways to use him, whether that's at the goal line, whether that's third down packages. The other thing for me, though, is because we identified wide receiver with the Packers, right? Mm-hmm. And they never addressed it. The Eagles did. You know what I mean? They did at least go into that. They drafted Rieger in the first round. You mentioned they traded for Marquise Goodwin, another kind of take the top off wide receiver, legit track star. And then they even, you know, they threw some other uh, stuff stuff up against the wall in their later draft picks, right? You know, in the fifth round, getting John Hightower. In the sixth round, Quez Watkins. So, you know, they, they did address the position as well. So when you talk about, you know, whether it's bringing in Hurts, bringing 
bringing in the wide receivers, um, some of the moves they made on defense as well, bringing in Darius Slay. I know that is a huge move as well, Kev, because the back end of this secondary has been had for a while Mm -hmm. and has had bad luck. You know, like I actually thought, You're going to laugh when I say this, okay? I was high on a kid that you guys drafted that was injured coming out of school uh, out of Washington, Sidney Jones. Mm -hmm. I thought he was going to be a very good corner, and he's never truly fulfilled that. They also bring in, I believe, Bradley Roby Coleman um, as well this year. So what do you – you like their moves? Yeah, I I do. I I think defensively it's been – it's pretty exciting just because, you know, Darius Slay – it's it's a little bit more comfortable because the whole Namdi thing, like you have PTSD from as like an Eagles well, fan. He's not calling it a dream team, Darius. That's like what I'm that. saying. Like it's it, like things are a little bit more just like oh, Darius Slay is good at football. We think he's good at football, but also right. like in, he more people are like kind of he's coming off of a down season than a good season, and that's actually more comforting, which is weird. But I'm also glad you mentioned Nikel, uh Roby Coleman. He he's been wonderful the past three seasons. And he can come over now, play in the slot for this team. They added multiple pieces to this secondary, and I thought that was massive. As I peel through this defense, Dane, it's the reason why I thought that Patrick Queen was a strong option for them at 21, because that's where you see the holes for this team primarily. It is the linebacking room. And I do, again, I have high expectations for Jalen Rieger and what he can bring to this team, um, not just this year, but you know, for years to come. But if you look at that defense, I mean, it's one of the best defensive lines in all the football. It's been that way for a long time now, and it's going to remain that way with the talent that they have there. Sure. The secondary now looks like it might go from a massive weakness to maybe you could even argue, I don't want to go as far as a strength. because But all you got to do is get to average, Kev. Right. I, I totally agree. You just have to hope the linebacker core is not getting picked off. And where it's dangerous is it's going to be the tight ends, I think, because they had Malcolm Jenkins for so long, I think, as well, to, to match around right. that opposing uh, tight ends. Jalen Mills is making the move from corner to safety, the Green Goblin. It'll be interesting to see how he's able to kind of handle that role. And if he's able to pick it up, look, even uh, Rodney McLeod is somebody that has kind of, he's been great when he's been on the field for Philly, but he missed some time and it's been a little up and down. Overall, this absolutely can be a strength for this football team. So, And that's one of the things, you know, it's always going to grab the headlines, right, when you have to kind of rebuild a receiver room. But what they were able to do with this secondary is very, very encouraging. Yeah, the secondary definitely has been bolstered. You know, my J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets also brought in a lot of options at the cornerback room to see what's going on. So I appreciate that approach. You got to think their offense will still be there under Peterson with Wentz if he stays under center, you know. And I also, Kev, you know how we talk about the evolving league going to a pass passing league. We talk about what that means for the running back position, uh, for contracts, for fantasy. We talk about what that means for wide receivers in fantasy. Do you buy this, that it also means on the defensive side of the ball, right, your pass rusher and your secondary are more important than the linebacker level, which is usually attributed to stopping the run game, right? Now, if the run game is sort of taking a back seat in the NFL, I would, listen, if you asked me on my team, which level of the defense would I want to be the weakest? The secondary, the linebackers, or the D-line, the front. I would want my linebackers to be the weakness of my defense because, Mm -hmm. you know, we are in a passing league. However, Ezekiel Elliott and Saquon Barkley four times a year are no easy shakes for the Eagles' defense. No, that's true. I think the biggest thing is now the kind of linebacker you want has changed. You you don't want a thumper. You want someone that can excel in coverage, right? Play three downs, right? Yeah, and that's really, you know, that's the big change, right? And that's where I agree with you in terms of overall, you want the pass rush, you want, you know, your secondary to be strong. But the value in a three-down linebacker is very, again, this is why I talked about Patrick Queen, you Mm -hmm. know, so highly, and I still kind of can't believe the Saints passed on him and allow him to, to end up in Baltimore. You know, he's someone we didn't really talk a lot about, but he's definitely someone that has a chance at that defensive rookie of the year award. So, yeah, I agree with you in that sense. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, through the first couple of weeks, if this Philly team is going to find themselves with a 
major weak point on the defensive side of the floor, right. right? Because even in the run game, the defensive line should be able to quell some of those concerns in the pass game. There's help there in the secondary. You know, is it a situation where, you know, on a week-to-week basis, you're you're hitting tight end overs? Maybe the run game, out of the, you know, in terms of pass catching backs, maybe is an issue. It'd be interesting right. to see how that develops. Play Evan Ingram DFS when they play the Giants, potentially something in that area if the linebackers are struggling. But all right, let's let's give you some of these futures markets for your Philadelphia Eagles, Kev. They have a nice win total, nine and a half, slightly juiced to the under, Kev. Minus 115 to the under, uh, 105 to the over with nine and a half as the total. The book view the Eagles as a playoff team minus 190 yes for the playoffs around plus 155 if you think somehow you know Wentz gets hurt again and Jalen Hurts can't do the job they are the second choice in the division they were co-favorites with Dallas when we checked probably about a month ago let's say right around the draft but now they are the second choice they are plus 140 to win the division so maybe i can tempt you with that they're the fifth choice in the nfc to win the conference at 10 to 1 the seventh choice to win the super bowl which is also interesting fifth choice to win the nfc Mm-hmm. Yet seventh choice to win the Super Bowl. I think that also speaks to how the books believe Kansas City and Baltimore are, you know, head and shoulders above the rest of the AFC teams. But we'll get into that. And then I've got some other intriguing prop bets for you, Kev, that I want to put on your radar. Mm. Carson so, Wentz as an okay. MVP. Carson Wentz, 17 to 1, the fifth choice to be an MVP this year. Remember when he before he got banged out. There was MVP talk of him before injury uh, multiple times, I believe. Mm-hmm. Peterson, coach of the year, 26 to 1. That may interest you. Um, you talk about how Alshon is maybe not actually the number one wideout and how Zach Ertz may be. Zach Ertz receiving yards prop is 899 and a half. This year, I'd be interested to think if you think he could go over that or if Dallas Goddard kind of emerges into that pie. And then I have one more for you, Kev, which I believe you are going to respond in a dramatic way. Mm. Aaron Donald is the best defensive lineman in football. Mm -hmm. I know that. People talk about J.J. Watt. I think people forget about a true stud on the defensive line in Philadelphia, Kev. You know his name. His name is Fletcher Cox. Mm -hmm. Fletcher Cox, Kevin, is 70 to (laughs) 1 to win the Defensive Player of the Year award. Yeah, I mean, Fletcher Cox is basically, the problem is you're not really supposed to be able to win that award as an injury defensive lineman. Aaron Donald has, J.J. Watt has, and what if, like, people are starting to recognize that Fletcher Cox belongs in that conversation. I'm not saying he's going to win it either, Mm -hmm. but, you know, I think more and more people believe and see that Fletcher Cox is in the same neighborhood as Donald and Watt, and at 70 to 1? Yeah, I think, honestly, if I were to make a case for a DPOY pick from Philly, it'd be Darius Slay, because he's got a narrative that can work for him, which is the Eagles secondary is usually terrible. And, oh, wow, Darius Slay here, and he's got interceptions aplenty, and and he's helped turn this defense around. Like, we actually talked about this a while back, but if I were to make a play on a corner, I think Darius Slay actually would be the DPOY play I would make, because he's got a nice narrative to back him. I I think they've got a... I think Carson Wentz for MVP has has a really decent chance. I think you talk about all the weapons now, right? And what he started to do last year, I think, was something you don't see a lot in the NFL, but it was the LeBron first go around with the Cavs type of case, which is like, oh, he's carrying a bunch of bums to the playoffs. All All of a sudden, the Eagles being 9-7 and and like, oh, the NFC East is a slog. It doesn't deserve a playoff team wasn't the conversation as much as like, look at Wentz out there throwing the Boston Scott and Greg right. Jr. Like this is incredible. So if he can now with an influx of talent, which is what it will feel like, like it'll feel like Alshon and Deshaun are new along with the fact that, you know, Goodwin and Jalen Rieger are new. I think he has that potential. And by the way, he's played at an MVP level before he was the MVP until he tore his leg up. Uh, in L.A. that year. And by the way, he still threw a touchdown on a torn leg. So, again, people call him soft. 
hit the road. Uh, I think the Doug Peterson one is interesting as well. That was a guy who got hit with a ton of flack when he first came to Philly. People were trying to say he was the worst coach in football. He's won a Super Bowl now. Right. I think, though, I think the Eagles would need the best record in the NFC for, for him to have a chance. And I don't see really any other avenue for him to be able to get that. So it's a matter of how high you know you think Philly can climb these standings. Yeah, I mean, for me, I like Philly. Um, I like them over Dallas, so I might think my favorite play here is the plus 140 to win the division and not even touch the win total because, as you just said, you could potentially win a division at 9-7, and seven, right, and not even – you know, hit the over, still be the division champs. Um, if I press you to make a futures bet on the Eagles, I know you like them. Would it be the 140 for the division? Would it be to lay minus 190 for them to qualify for the playoffs? Or are you more confident with the win total? Would you even push the parameters thinking that they could be the Super Bowl representative of the NFC at 10 to 1? Before we go game by game, what's your knee-jerk reaction on a futures bet for Philly? Yeah, I think that plus 140 is enticing. I actually made this mistake last year. I was like, oh, they're going to win the division. I'll bet over on their win total. Just bet them right. in the division. Because they, they went under, but they they got uh, they were able to win the division. So I, I think that at a plus 140 number is enticing. All right, we'll look at the Eagles game-by-game game schedule. We'll see if Carson once plays all 16. Kev, did you ever know I threw a touchdown pass on a torn ACL once? It was in a Zog Sports tournament, but I tore my ACL, continued to play, and threw a touchdown pass. Am I a warrior like Carson Wentz? You can think about it all commercial break and let me know. We'll be back. It's the early line. We look at the Eagles' schedule after this on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're watching SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Welcome back into the early line. I'm Dane. He's Kevin. And we have come to the time where we're going game by game on the Philadelphia Eagles schedule. I'm excited to see where Kevin has them. I'll try and check him with his homer potential. But here's what I say. I remember, Kevin, remember when I was looking at those primetime home away splits? Mm-hmm. It favors the Eagles, okay? The Eagles have four primetime games on their schedule, and they are, in my opinion, lucky that three of them are at home against, like, other NFC contenders, right? So these could be other teams that they are, in essence, battling with, Mm. and then when they get the heads-up matchup, it happens to be in Philly and on primetime. I think that's the case for a team like Seattle and others, but we'll go through it starting week one. I believe they start on the road at our nation's capital. Revenge game for Deshaun Jackson. And by the way, he cares about those. I like that we've continually, though, tried to build the DFS lineup without knowing prices and just by situation. <laughs> right. We've got a Chargers stack and we've got Deshaun Jackson that have made the cut thus far. It'll be cool to see kind of when we come back if those guys legitimately make the cut. But yes, uh, I like Philly in this game. Um, it, it's, a, it's a decent spot for them to be able to start their season on a high note. Absolutely. They go one and oh, then they have their home opener. They get the benefit of a team flying west to east, I do believe. It is, yeah, because the Rams have that home Sunday night game against Dallas, I believe, week one. So they fly across country for one o'clock Eastern time, start in Philly against Rams week two. Yeah, and the Eagles have been really good at home under Doug Peterson with the Rams having to come over to the East. What an interesting start for the Rams that is, though. The two best teams in the NFC East, you get to host one in prime time, but the Cowboys have their high expectations. Now you're traveling to Philly. They have their high expectations. And so, I, and I know I have the Rams splitting that, right, I believe, but it could be an 0-2 start for the Rams, Dane. And yeah. that's where someone like yourself, who's lower mm-hmm. on them, starts feeling great about maybe right. the Rams under or whatever it might be. Right. I like I might take the under and then cash out on our partners on FanDuel when they get <laughs> a bad start. But yeah, the Eagles go in 2-0. Then they stay home and welcome the number one overall pick, Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals in week three. So if the Eagles didn't improve their secondary, this would have been to be a bit more dangerous of a game. The Bengals are off of a mini-buy, and where they're going to be able to do a lot of their damage is a potent pass attack. 
but I don't think I, that them being able to pull pull a win off of a team like Philly this early in the year in right. Philly would feel surprising. I agree. That would be a tall task early on in Joe Burrow's career. Maybe later they get an upset road win, but I don't see it early and I don't see it at Philly. I mentioned that they have four primetime games, three of which are at home. Well, this is the one that's on the road, Kev. This is no easy task. It looks like it is Sunday night football at San Francisco. This might be their first L of the year. What say you, Kev? Yeah, I'm going to give this one to the Niners. I, I mean, them being home, this being in prime time, out on the West, everything lines up for them there. Again, I'll just make this note because we've made it each time. This is the Niners returning to the West off ah. of that overlay at Matt. They're in New York two weeks in a yeah. row. So, that's right. So they're also flying. Yeah. So it's just it's an interesting thing just in terms of just how that might be impacting teams. We don't know enough to say, oh, this is a great spot for the Eagles. However, if the Niners were playing a West Coast team here, I could maybe see an upset. But uh, I'm going with the Niners in this spot. Fair enough. Three and one in the first quarter of the season. Back to back road games. They go. It's a battle of Pennsylvania when they go to Pittsburgh to see what probably will still be Big Ben on the center. Yeah, this is a tough game to pick. Uh, I spent I spent quite a bit of time on this one. And, and I would say it's the game that made me really think about where I view the Steelers the most, right? Like, I know kind of how I see Philly. I know how right. I see maybe the Ravens, whatever it might be. Right. Is this Steelers, are they a team that's, like, pushing, pushing the Ravens or, like, just going to slide on in, in, into the playoffs? Right. I'm ultimately giving this one to Philly, but it was a, it was a close game and it was a tough game to call. All right, big-time road win there for Philly. You have them now 4-1. and one. They come back home. No easy task, though. The Ravens come to town. AFC North back-to-back, black and blue kind of division. Mm-hmm. Philly can stand up, but it is the Ravens coming to town. Yeah, and you got to think about this, where they're going from a nice 3-0 start, which is pretty reasonable, to Niners-Steelers uh, and then the Ravens. It's a tough three-game stretch. Uh, and I've got them dropping two of them here and as well, you know, dropping this game to the Ravens. All right. So you have them as four and two losing so far to the Niners and the Ravens. Then they listen, they stay home. OK, mm-hmm. they got another two games at home, uh, both of them in prime time. These are two of the home prime time games. They're both in division as well. They get the short week home. The Giants come in. And then after that, what I believe is Sunday night football when Dallas comes in. So spotlight. In Philadelphia, division games, Giants and Cowboys come on into the link. How do they fare in that two-game stretch? Yeah, so getting to host the Giants on Thursday night football is enough to really push that over the edge where you don't really then worry too much about any upset potential. Phillies own the Giants for quite some time now. Uh, And the Eagles being able now to host the Cowboys off of their mini-buy is a massive edge in a series that was split last year. Feels like it could be split this year, but this type of schedule advantage for your for a home game is very, very big and gets Philly another win. All right, fair enough. You got the Eagles at six and two for the first half of the season. Nice start. Then they have their bye, okay? So they're home, resting in their beds for three straight weeks, then a bye. And to be honest, after that in week 10, they do travel, but it's not far. It's just right up I-95. They've been had time to lick their wounds and all that. And they go to MetLife to see the Giants. Uh, Is this a road division win? It should be. Uh, Them being off of their bye week should be very... uh... Should be enough, again, to get them this win. This may be a game I'd love to see uh, Love to see in person. Huh. Interesting. Just for note here, you have them 4-0 and in division so far mm-hmm. uh, with two games left to play. They stay on the road after a date at MetLife. They go to Cleveland in Week 11 to see Baker and the Browns. Another tough game here. I'm, I'm leaning on Cleveland at home. Um, I kind of have in my notes here that the Browns might be labeled an on-fire team. Heading into this type of matchup, the Browns um, I mean, rolling. The Eagles would be eight and two by your count in this, so there's not much more on fire than that. Well, but the Browns, where the Browns start to the season a little up and down, but now they're starting to peel together gotcha. a couple of wins. Um, and I've got the Browns getting a win here in Week 11. Okay. So on the road is too tough for them. You have, I believe, now after 10 games, right? Is that where we are? 10 games. You have them seven and three. Mm-hmm. I believe. Is that correct? Yep. 
All right, fine. I was wrong with eight and two before. Seven and three. Then, and I think this is a huge one. I mentioned it before with the prime time getting them at home. This is the one really I'm talking about, Kevin. You know, yeah. the idea that they get prime time against Dallas at home is one thing, right? The road one on Monday night uh, for San Fran is not bad. You probably have them beating the Giants at home anyway. I think this is huge. Have. The mm -hmm. Seattle Seahawks, we both believe, I believe, have uh, potential to be a division winner. I think you believe they're a quality playoff kind of team. We at this point have the Eagles at seven and three. I'm sure we had the Seahawks around the same record. To me, the fact that this is Monday night in Philly versus in Seattle. For me, is the difference in who I say wins this game. I wonder if it is for you, Kev. Yeah, Seattle won in Philly twice last year. So right. that, alone, that alone could lead to some regression. And by the way, if they were losing that game if Wentz stayed healthy, you could see it. Yeah, man, I mean, Allen had him in the red zone at the That's end. What I'm like, you know what I mean? I they, were, they were losing that game. I, I, I told you this, but though. We did the Seattle. Seattle had no running backs to speak of by that time either. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a right. To, to be fair, and running backs matter the exact same as a starting quarterback. I'm just saying everyone's banged up at some level by the time we hit that place. Yes, I'm the Eagles got Davion Clowney dropping the people's elbow on Carson Wentz to start the game. Here's what I did say to you, though, when we did the Seattle. If this game was a 1 o'clock Sunday game, yeah. I might have picked Seattle. But mm. the Monday night primetime spot there pushes this to, uh, pushes me to Philly. All right, so you have them eight and three. Then they go on the road to see Green Bay. Tough stretch here, by the way. A lot of it is no easy stretch. I mean, Browns, Seahawks, Green Bay, a quality team. I believe their next three opponents after this are all also quality. On the road to Green Bay, what do you got? They actually won last year in Green Bay, but you have to keep that in mind. That that's hard to do twice. Right. So I'm gonna roll with the Packers in this spot. Although the Packers, I would say, Dean, are are a team that we don't know what they're gonna be. Fair. Like we. 12, right? Like you could see them kind of in a weird spot, but I'm going with Green Bay in this spot. Fair enough. So you have them eight and four going into the last quarter of the season. They come back home. No easy task, though. New Orleans comes to town. Third straight road game for New Orleans. Ah, that's right. Remember, we did talk about this. Okay, so you like Philly there. I'm with you. The 9-4 and four Eagles then go on the road for an interesting two-game stretch. Because mm -hmm. I don't know where these teams, their opponents, are going to be, right? But we believe potentially both of these teams will still have something to play for, maybe. They go to the desert to see uh, Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, and the Cards. Yeah, that's a... I mean, and what an important game this is, right? And it's it's sandwiching a Saints game that, again, I like due to the scheduling um, situation. And that game with Dallas where division implications are, of course, Absolutely. going to be heavy. I've I found myself leaning Philly in this scenario for, for this reason, and maybe it's not good enough, but Arizona still lands as the last place team in the West to me. From a pure want not even want, pure need perspective i edged it to philly fair enough this is your game by game you're allowed to do whatever you want they stay on the road they go to jerry's world remember now you still you have them four and oh mm -hmm. in division so if you're gonna have them dropping one yeah. it's gotta be this one at dallas week 16 they're 10 and four coming in yeah it's the same one that they dropped last year okay. but they drop it again to dallas all right, fair enough. And then they finish up getting back home. This is a 10-5 and five team at this point, which will probably have something on the line, whether it's the division, whether it's seeding. They go to uh, they go back home, and we do not know what Washington is going to yeah, look yeah, like yeah. at this point in time, but that will be the opponent to finish the regular season. Yeah, I, th I think they take uh, I don't know, Kyle Allen, Cam Newton, maybe Ron Rivera's under center at that point. Um, nevertheless, Whoever I like Urban Meyer wants and says, is like, hey, <laughs> We could get Justin Fields now, but in yeah. any event, with that win, you have them going eleven and five. Okay, mm -hmm. now Kev, their win total is nine and a half. That's yeah. one and a half daylight, and I would say I do not think you did anything dramatically horrible. You did have them going five and one in division. Could I see the Giants or Washington stealing one against them because of the division rivalry? Yes, that's possible. Um, but, you know, I also think they could upset a team anywhere in there like San Fran um, on their schedule. So 11 and 5, when we come back, what we're going to do is look at the context of some of those futures bets. And we'll find out if there's anybody Kevin wants to 
forget about for fantasy in the Philadelphia Eagles. I hear it's always sunny there. Come on back. <laughs> SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back into the early line right here on SportsGrid. Dane and Kev shining a light on the Philadelphia Eagles, who you have going 11-5. and five. That would be enough to get on over the win total number. We'll find out tomorrow if that's enough, in your opinion, to win the division when we do the Dallas Cowboys. But I want to turn our attention to fantasy because we've talked about this potentially as a herd. I've told you before, and sometimes when teams are a herd, that makes me like the shepherd, the quarterback. But before we go into that, I want to ask you about one specific player and get your view on him because you're plugged in to the Philadelphia mm-hmm. The player in question for me is Zach Ertz. Mm. I've owned Zach Ertz. I've um, I've had him on my roster a number of times, Kev, right? Um, he's amazing. He can get thir- 13 catches in any one game. I'm not even worried necessarily about his injuries. What uh-huh. I am worried about is Dallas Goddard. Um, I'm worried about Dallas Goddard, in essence, ascending. He's taken a little bit more of the share of Zach Ertz year by year by year. I also know that Zach Ertz has a contract coming up sometime soon. So Mm. when I put all this into a pot, my fear with Zach Ertz as one of the top three tight ends, and he does deserve to be there. I just don't know if I'm going to be the one to draft him, Kev, because if Goddard you know, takes a little bit more of that pie, which is possible, then Zach Ertz is probably still a really, really good tight end, but I don't know if he's at the Kittle-Kelsey level and worth like a third-round draft pick under the with the assumption that Goddard continues to grow and develop and take more share. And mm. for that reason, I love Zach Ertz. He's helped me win fantasy championships before, but I feel like he may not... For me, he's the least of the elite tight ends. I feel like he has the least chance to, like, overperform. And it's not because of the player. It's because Dallas Goddard. Does that resonate with you at all? Yeah, I mean, rarely. I mean, never. Like, does anyone know who the second tight end is on the Chiefs, the Niners? The, like, right. You know right. what I mean? Like, that's not a, something that we are accustomed to really even thinking about. So I totally understand it. I will say from where you kind of view the ADPs, they don't, like, those two seem to have actually separated from Ertz. Fair. And Ertz seems maybe to be closer to, say, a Mark Andrews. But one would thing you I would take offer- Ertz over Andrews? I might not, to be quite honest. So here's, this is where you have to try and find the balance with Andrews, is if we're all expecting regression from, not we all, but if people are going to expect Lamar to regress, from what was a preposterous touchdown percentage, right? Then that can ding up what Mark Andrews did a bit last year. Now Hayden Hurst left. How much does that I also matter? I believe Lamar is going to run less and throw more this year. And that's where you have to find that, like, the efficiency in terms of touchdowns might Fair. down, but the number could stay around the same if he happens to throw more. Fair. The interesting thing is Ertz last year, right, you know, he caught almost 30 less passes, but he caught the second most passes of his career. He was coming off the record-breaking season. Right. His receptions for a tight end in a single season. So there was kind of going to have to be some regression for Ertz. I think because of just, again, they have so many weapons in Philly that Heard, yeah. I I understand the, the hesitation. I mean, Goddard was the second leading receiver on this team, like in Catches, targets, yards, and touchdowns. But well, they yeah. had a lot of injuries. Remember that, and right. Goddard was at least available. So that's a big piece of it too. And it sure is, you know. And, and Ertz, though. But that's the thing is, Ertz was playing kind of the whole time with Goddard out there with a healthy receiving core. Could it cut down? I, I think it's it's tough for me to tell. I might say this though: if I'm paying up for a tight end, yeah, I don't want to really have to ask a lot of questions. Exactly. And I might have to ask more questions with Ertz than I'd like to to where I might have to go, again, up a tier, 
Now we're talking round two, early round three, or, you know, hope if he starts to fall, that's different. If other people are having those same hesitations, but am I taking Ertz in round three? No. Yeah. I mean, I, I I love Zach Ertz. It Ertz when I pee. Okay. But literally, I don't know if I am comfortable considering or valuing him. I think you said it correctly. I'm not, I am no longer comfortable valuing Ertz in the same tier as Kittle and Kelsey. I think um, if you want to tell me that him and Andrews is a little mini tier unto themselves and that they are above, you know, the Henry's, the Ingram's, some of the other ones there, I can buy that. But just like you said, because of some of the questions that are at play there, I'm not going to spend the draft capital draft capital that I think would be required to land Zach Ertz. So relatively speaking, he may be a full gazy. We talk about this wide receiver room. Who are you taking? Is it Alshon? Is it D-Jax? Is it the kid Rieger? Do you believe a breakout out of our Seagull white side? Which wide receiver are you most comfortable with? Yeah, I'm going to do the, the, the Deshaun thing again. Uh, really? Me, Deshaun Jackson, what he did last year in week one against Washington, I understand he doesn't like his old teams and he goes out there and he balls out. But what he was able to do, man, I mean, eight catches on a, like for like 160 yards and two touchdowns, like he was incredible. And this, it's what he's done his whole career. It's the injuries thing. You're not going to really have to pay up for him. As I'm saying this, though, Dane, right? Yeah. Last year, he was kind of the only one that could do it. Now, this year, they've like, we've got Rieger. three guys that can do it. Marquise Goodwin as well. It, it is a fair question, other than Zach Ertz, when it comes to these receivers. Yeah, what other pass catcher would you want? I mean, honestly, they're real low, too. I don't know if this is going to change. But literally, Alshon, Jackson, and Rieger are all in the 50s, Kev. That, the thing, see, this is the thing. It's the fantasy you're, herd. But you're not no paying up for anybody. Which one, right? But like, imagine getting Alshon as, as I mean, what's as that? A bench wide receiver seven? As a bench I, wide out, yeah. I mean, 12 times four is 48, right? So he would technically be a wide receiver five, meaning that you start three wide outs. You may even have another guy you put in your flex spot and only using Alshon Jeffrey as a bi-week fill-in or a, or a um, you know, in case one of your bigger boys get hurt from injury. Now, to me, this just reeks because of the fantasy hurt, right? Like, there's Alshon, there's Jackson, there's Rieger, there's Goodwin. I believe, here's what I'll tell you. Mm. If you accurately get right who the leading wide receiver, not pass catcher, wide receiver is for Philly, if you correctly identify that person, that person will be startable. The mm. question is, it's an open question as to who will that be. I think this is why, Dane, my diamond is Wentz. I think you're looking at a situation there. Shepherd of the herd, yeah. Yeah, because it's the easiest. Because this is why I think it's important. We're not talking about a herd and it's a bunch of high-octane herd. Yeah. Like these are really good quarterbacks. That's like taking the San Francisco running back herd. It's a good one. (laughs) Right. Like like, what what they can offer you in so many different ways. And the fact that. You know, Wentz has performed. Absolutely. This is not, I don't know who the wide receiver one for the Jaguars is. <laughs> exactly. 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 Gotcha. Right. So that's why I, I think that this is massive. And again, I mean, look, Wentz last year was, I think, the only quarterback in the league that threw a touchdown every single game. Okay. Like Carson Wentz still to me is one of the best fo- like quarterbacks in this league. I understand the health stuff. He's going right now. I mean, you tell me what quarterback. It, it's not – I know it's not top five. It, like uh, I've got him going as QB 10 right now. Okay, so you have all the studs who also offer rushing value. Lamar, Patty Mahomes, Dak, Russell Wilson, Kyler, Deshaun Watson, six, Josh Allen, seven. Okay, yeah. uh, Carson Wentz is 10. The two that are in between right there, eight and nine, are two guys who are pocket passers who, you know – 4,700 yards, sign them up, Drew Brees and Matt Ryan. And, I mean, look, the thing is, though, like, are you sure Josh Allen over Carson Wentz? I like so the really, rushing potential. I love I the rushing I understand that, but, like, is that 
Does that does that outweigh enough on a points per game basis? No, I hear you. So let me ask it to you this way, okay? Because I agree with you. Carson Wentz is very valuable at QB ten. I think when the quarterback and any quarterback, the question is not where is he ranked. The only question you have to answer is a kind of binomial one. Are you targeting and like spending up to get? Carson Wentz or is he in that pot that you're kind of waiting for and you'll be happy when he's still there in round eight the yeah see my thing is I don't feel like that's a pay-up quarterback quarterback 10 isn't a pay-up type of situation I think I can sit there I can be patient when he's can, still the, when he at some point in the draft Kev he'll be the highest quarterback left on the board right? yeah are you still waiting when that's happening no. See, I again, I, I found last year where I, I want some reliability in the quarterback room. Now, would I like to pair Wentz with another option and still play my hands at the matchups? I'm afforded that flexibility because of where I'm getting him in drafts. But you can still do that later, right? Like Wentz is 10. Later yeah. on, you know, Rodgers is 12. You know, Baker, Ben, you can still get what you're talking about, that reliability by waiting I, even more. And my thing is, Rodgers is different. Baker and Ben don't offer, to me, the same reliability. Rodgers, Brady after him, Stafford after him, your boy Tannehill after big, him, big Cousins. Uh, these are all guys that could be, you know, rely Rivers, reliable. On and last some- year, Wentz finished as QB 10 yeah. with Rodgers uh, just in front of him. Now, Jameis was in front of him, so if you were to remove him. But Josh Allen was ahead of him last year. So, And look, that's fair is fair. But again, we're also talking about Carson Wentz last year was able to finish his quarterback 10 with what we've now described as a band of fellas, right? So if he's able to take a leap, that's how you then get into quarterback five-ish range. Right. No, I hear you. For me, it's going to be there are some quarterbacks that are worth it to spend and other quarterbacks and a big group of them fall in the weight category. And if they're there, cool. And for me, Wentz is one of those. I do want to ask you lastly about Miles Sanders. Mm -hmm. Miles Sanders is going off as running back 12 right now. So the very back end of RB1, right behind Kenyon Drake and Aaron Jones, right ahead of Austin Eckler and the much ballyhooed Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Todd Gurley. I feel that's about right. The only issue I have is we've seen Philadelphia still seems to be in the veteran running back market. We're talking to Devontae Freeman. We're talking to Carlos Hyde. We're talking to Shady McCoy. So now, between now and then, if another veteran running back comes in that could eat into some of the pie, depressing some of Miles Sanders' um, potential. But how do you see Sanders? Is he worth an RB1 spot to you? I think he has that potential. I think because what he's going to be able to bring to you as a pass catcher isn't going to go away. Here's the way we run into the same problem. Was the pass catching work, to a degree, having to do with people being out? Yeah. They, they, they're a tough team to read fantasy-wise, but I know they're no good. No Darren Sproles, though, right? So I some work out of the backfield will stay. Sure, yeah. I mean, I mean, Miles Sanders last year was the third leading receiver by yards on this team. Yeah, well, that, that could have been a war of attrition as the last man it standing was. also. A lot of opportunity there for the Philadelphia Eagles. Wentz is the shepherd of the herd. How do they stack up against Jerry's world in Dallas? We'll find out tomorrow. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.